Awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Boca Podcast. It's been a little bit since we've done a live stream. And uh, it's good to have you here today. For those of you that may be live streaming or will be live streaming with us on youtube.com slash Boca Podcast and facebook.com slash Boca Podcast, make sure to join the conversation. Chime in, say hello, let us know where you're listening from and ask questions, comment along the way as well. This is meant to be an opportunity for you to join in the discussion. So if you have a question for our guests, uh, who I will be introducing here in just a second. Uh, if you have a question for Mary along the way, don't hesitate to, to jump in, ask those questions, and we'll respond to them as we can through the conversation. For those of you that are listening to the audio version of this after the fact, as I always say, please come join these live streams, join in the conversation, make it a group discussion. Um, if you follow us on Instagram.com slash Boca Podcast, you can keep up to date with the latest information about upcoming live streams. We'll be doing one to two a week. Uh, we, we're doing just one a week there for a bit. We're going to move back to doing probably an average of about two a week. And uh, so you have plenty of content coming your way and plenty of opportunity to come join the conversation as well. And then, as always, as I promised I would do, um, I did make a donation to Charity Water before we got started today. And, of course, I just share that. You can see the receipt on the screen for those of you that are live streaming, just for a little bit of accountability. But um, I just share that for the sake of encouragement. Um, look for opportunities to give, to donate, whether it's to your local community or national or international organizations. It's incredible, really, how far just a little bit of money can go. Uh, when I make that donation of $40 before each and every one of these podcasts, that's enough money to give clean drinking water to an individual or potentially multiple people, actually. And there are something like 700 million people in the world that don't have access to clean drinking water. It's, it's wild. Anyway, we're super lucky. And I want to give as a result of that with that in mind. And I would encourage you all to look for opportunities to do the same thing. All right. Enough of the introduction here. And... Um, I want to introduce our brand new guest for today. Mary Vance is here with me. Mary, thank you so much for coming to hang out with me. Good morning. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. I, I told you before we get started, I would try to be your caffeine this morning. I, I know that you're starting a little bit early and I appreciate you accommodating our our schedule, um, East Coast schedule, I should say. Tell us where you're, you're joining us from. I am uh, based in the suburbs of Seattle, Washington. Which is pretty um, wild because literally, let's see, two days ago, I was in Seattle. So my son and I were, were just there visiting. Uh, he wanted to go to a concert. I, I told him I'd take him to this concert, um, see a couple of bands, and then we got to see family. Uh, we got to do a tour of Pike's Place Market. Um, I actually grew up in Seattle, spent some time in Seattle when I was a kid. And it's fun to go back there. It's absolutely beautiful. But um, yeah, yeah. What a, have you been there like all your life or did you move there? No, I'm I'm from North Carolina, so um, <laughs> yeah. that's a big switch. I just play Southerner. I know that's the that's the accent that you'll hear um, getting uh, coming out. It'll it'll rise to the surface the more excited I get about <laughs> things, or <laughs> or the more recently that I've spoken to my family. But um, no, we've been here for almost twelve years now. Um, my husband's job brought us out, and uh, it's you know it's definitely grown on us. There are lots mm. of things we love about it here. Um, it was yeah. 32 degrees when I woke up this morning. That wasn't maybe my favorite part <laughs> in April. <laughs> and we had snow yesterday. So Did you really? Oh, wow. I just yeah, missed that. Yeah, just okay. a little bit. But it was, uh, you know, we're all kind of like, okay, it's the middle of April. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're done with this. 
<laughs> Generally, it's pretty mild, though, right? I mean, it, it, as a general rule, okay. Yeah, because I know yeah. that we were when we did the the tour of Pike's Place on what was that Tuesday? They the people that we were with, the locals, were talking about how cold it was, and I think it was in the fifties. And I was mm-hmm. like, mm, that, I mean, that that felt relatively mild, but I know it's kind of maybe different for at least this time of year. And I, I think we're kind of seeing that around the country, unusual weather circumstances. Um, nonetheless, yes. <laughs> I appreciate you being willing to to accommodate the East Coast schedule and join us this morning. And uh, Lindsay's chiming in from Facebook. She said, good morning from Connecticut. Hello, Nathan and Mary. Thanks for hanging out with us, Lindsay. And for the rest of you who are live streaming with us, again, don't hesitate to jump in, say hello, ask questions along the way. Don't be shy. And Mary, I'm just going to go ahead and pop up your website here on the screen, maryvance.com. And on that note, actually go ahead and pull up your website as well. And we're going to be getting into I'm I'm really looking forward to, to this topic today, actually, that we're going to be getting into, which is the idea of simplifying senior photography. You've got a brand position statement, really, of, of sorts there on the homepage of your site. Can you introduce your brand with that? Yeah, I'd love to. As I said, um, you know, I'm based in the suburbs of Seattle, Washington, out towards the Cascade Mountain foothills. Um, And really what I like to say more so than just a senior photographer is that I'm a lifestyle senior photographer. So that's a little bit of what makes my brand and position unique. Um, That's a word that we use in the industry that, you know... um, We don't necessarily, you know, like put all those categorizations out to our clients, but we know and understand, you know, in the industry when we say that I'm lifestyle, what exactly that means. And so the way that I personally focus on seniors and um, actually just all youth outreach in general makes me unique, not only to my area, but also to the industry. So my brand really embraces inclusivity. And so I always like to say that I welcome kind of, you know, the other 99% of teenagers and emerging adults, um, or sometimes we call ourselves delightful misfits, uh, that don't fit into a narrow or stereotypical um, model mold. That's interesting. Okay, so talk about what that looks like when it comes to seniors. And, and by the way, we were talking about kids beforehand, and I didn't mention, but my, my son is 20, and he's a sophomore in college. My daughter is a junior in high school. She's 17. And it's, I mean, it's an interesting stage in life, just to put it very, very sim- super simply. But when you think about teenagers, and they're kind of trying to figure life out and figure themselves out a little bit, and they're going through this, in some cases, an awkward stage at this point of life, what does it look like to be inclusive to those who maybe don't fit inside the so-called box? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it, this is going to sound a little bit cliche, but it's, it, it really is as simple as, as saying to these kids, like you can come to me as you are, and I'm not going to try to change it. I'm not going to mm. try to tell you, um, what to wear. Mm. I'm not going to try to tell you what to believe. Um, uh, honestly, I just come to them from a place of, of authenticity, Um, And they see that, they notice it, they can, uh, teenagers at this age, I think one of the most, you know, intimidating things about them is that they can kind of, you know, smell it out really fast if you're being disgenuine or insincere. And so when, you know, when people see this, you know, this sincerity um, to my approach, then they go, oh, okay. What that tells them is I'm safe. And when someone feels safe, then they, you know, that awkwardness kind of melts away. You're right. There's a lot of, um, of just awkwardness in general about growing up, about transforming. That's what adolescence is. It's, it's, a, it's a metamorphosis 
for these teenagers are their brains are not fully developed yet, but in some ways they're supposed to act like adults. But then, you know, are they adequately having adulthood modeled to them? Maybe, mm. maybe mm -hmm. not. Um, I always say that I don't, in terms of a narrow mold, I don't take the, uh, you know, I, I don't take only the most popular kids. I don't take only the captains of the, you know, the football team or the cheerleaders or, um, which I do, I, I take and I photograph them as well. But I'll also take the kids who, um, who are struggling with their identity. Um, I embrace that really wholeheartedly. Um, ones who are struggling with uh, their mental health. Um, that's really, honestly, at epidemic proportions um, in, in terms of mental health struggles um, within, within our country. Sure. I also take the kids who are failing in math, you know, <laughs> or, or, <laughs> which probably a good percentage, or, right? Just, you know, and and who think, or or the kids who think that because they got one B on a test, then then they have no life trajectory, you know, for the rest of their life. And so, kind of seeing that, and and you kind of get this almost this letdown, this sigh of relief when seniors kind of come to me and they're like, wait, 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 okay, you mean this is an adult in my life? who's not gonna put added pressure on me to be something else, to do something else, who's not gonna try to live vicariously through me um, or anything like that. So, sorry, I, 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 get, I get real impassioned <laughs> no, it, it, it's, about it's, loving and caring for these kids. I, I get that. You know what, it, be, before we did this interview today, I, I asked you if we could replace the word authentic with simple. We're talking about, a, a, I think originally you had suggested an authentic approach to senior photography. Um, I, I authentic is a word that is overused in our industry and just mm -hmm. in general these days. And so I think it gets watered down and it also has different meanings to different people. So I, I suggested we go the route of simple and I think it's still fitting, but I'm better understanding what you mean when you say that word authentic now. And it, it seems as though you're trying to create an environment for these seniors where they don't have to try to be something else for the sake of taking a great picture. And yes. I think that kind of pressure exists. I mean, we've, and the culture has talked endlessly about how this exists on Instagram and elsewhere, but it, it's a reality that, that our kids are facing in many instances. And so not feeling pressure when they go to the photographer to kind of put on a show and to be something that they don't care to be, I think is, is really comforting and probably does encourage a great relationship with these kids as you're engaging with them. Yeah. And, and I think the thing to remember, too, you know, we talk about kind of industry standards and, and what used to be and what is now. And one of the important things or distinctions, I think, for us to keep in mind as photographers is that our lives were not existing under the same lens, literally under the same you know, camera in your face every single day that that seniors now are growing up with, you know, sure. you have, you have 10 year olds who are already, you know, having, have their Instagram account and have followers and, and things like that. I'm like, you're, and you, you can't make any mistakes without mm. it being out there in the world. Mm. And I think back to my life, my own life. And, and I'm like, man, there are so many mistakes that I'm so glad I got to learn from and then leave behind. Right. They didn't have live to have on forever. Online. <laughs> yes, I didn't have to, I, you know, like, okay, well, I did something dumb that day. Well, it, it'll replay in my mind on my own soundtrack <laughs> right. forever. But, <laughs> you know, but, but in terms of everybody else around me, I'm like, nobody knows that you said that stupid thing in the eighth grade, 
right? Whereas now it's like, oh, we're going to make a meme out of you. <laughs> we can pull it up. Yep. <laughs> uh, you know? Well, hopefully it'll at least allow us to, to learn how not to take ourselves too seriously when, when that well, stuff can yeah. all be pulled up so easily. <laughs> uh, I, I want to jump to my next question. Before I do that, though, Mary, your, your mic is rubbing against your shirt there. If you can just pull it up just a little bit. Yeah, that'd be great. That's perfect. Yep, it's, that's the side there. So yeah, anytime you grab, yeah, anytime it it scratches your shirt, we hear it. it these mics are they're awesome actually because they're super sensitive. Um, but then anytime it rubs up against hair or, or clothing, it's it's obvious. So and I just wanted to kind of give you a heads up. I appreciate that. So this may be a, an easy segue, I think, from what we were talking about. Customer experience is, I, I think, at the the heart really of a strong business. When we think about photography and, and the ease of taking a good picture, even with, you know, my phone, for example, right now, a taking a decent picture doesn't set a photographer apart. We really have to do that largely with customer experience. And so I'm curious what lies at the heart of a strong customer experience for you, for your business. Yeah. So that's a, a great, um, a great question. So for me, um, you know, if I, if I were to sum it up just in, in a real quick sentence, I would say that, um, Customer experience is all about being fast to listen and slow to speak. So for me, disappointment um, is just going to be an unmet expectation and misunderstanding or miscommunications um, end up being the number one reason why people you know, don't see eye to eye. Um, so I like to think that I provide a really rich customer experience because I communicate very clearly mm. to set expectations and then I listen thoroughly to also prevent misunderstanding. So for me, that's my, my formula for happy customers. Were you a teacher in a past life, Mary? Because you, you communicate very well. You can't break things down so well. Um, yes, I was. I was a, I was a dance instructor for okay. a decade um, and a homeschool teacher as well. I've also taught high school. Um, I've taught co-op. Well, like that's that. right, because we so. were talking about you homeschooling your kids. So you're actively teaching now, but you just you have this way of communicating and being able to break something down uh, so well. That's that's wonderful. So I, I have to compliment you on that. And that's oh, really, okay. really explained well, too. I think it sums sums up the idea, the significance of, you know, when, when you talk about fast to listen, because I, I was writing this down, actually, as you were talking fast to listen, slow to speak. I think about that certainly in the context of business, but also just in personal relationships, too. I have a tendency out of excitement sometimes of talking, like being too quick to respond. And it's, it's a good reminder to be fast to listen and slow to speak. It's something I have to keep working on. I, um, I always ask my kids and, uh, you know, when we're parenting and, you know, our children, we're, we're really asking them, you know, these things or we're reminding them these things because we need to be reminded of them ourselves. And it's so I always, <laughs> I always say to them, I'm like, okay, are you listening to hear or are you listening to speak? And, mm. uh, you know, and, and I have that same thing. I'll have that excitement where I'm like, no, 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 but I'm, I'm like, I'm ready and, and I'm here and I'm already planning in my head. What's the next thing that I've got to say, mm -hmm. you know, instead of, okay, wait a minute, let me take a hot second and digest what, um, what I'm actually hearing. And so, um, so my, my youngest daughter and I, we we're, we're the two that are very excited. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a great reminder for all of us. So thank you for that. Let, let's talk a little bit, talking about your family, let's talk about time management and how you balance business and personal life. Is there a principle that kind of drives your ability to do that as effectively as possible? Yeah, I know. Balance is a unicorn, right? Like oh, the business owners will will For tell sure. you that. I think um, you know, it's kind of like you were you were pointing out, you know, there there are some words that we kind of find that that become 
uh, watered down over time if we, you know, if we're, if we're thinking about it and using it a lot. And so for me, sometimes I have to do that exact same thing, you know, that you were speaking about earlier, which is kind of code switch a little bit. Um, if I'm finding that the word that I'm using for something is, um, is not having as much, uh, connotation or as much carrying as much weight as it did before. So honestly, balance is one of them. Um, and so I kind of code switch that to say that I strive for harmony, um, mm. which means that everything that I am giving my energy to is going to be fulfilling a certain one of my needs. So photography, for example, um, fills my need, uh, you know, my, my really, um, my artistic soul, uh, my need to create art, but it also provides me with a job and with resources. So I have really busy seasons when I need to lean in more and work, um, like we all do. And my family's very understanding of that. But they also understand that more work is going to equal more income, which also allows me to provide rich experiences for my family. It provides me the ability to meet their needs. Um, the other thing I would say about balance is and, and you know, harmony is that knowing my worth, um, which is really difficult for us in the beginning, especially for photographers who are just starting out. But for me, it also helps me maintain that harmony. It allows me to commit to things with a really strong yes when, um, when, when I need to say yes or want to say yes to something. And it also allows me to say no when the circumstances aren't conducive to mm. what I want for my life and when they're not going to be meeting my needs. When you say knowing your worth, are you talking about turning down work that doesn't kind of fit your business model or knowing your work as it relates to the amount of time you're spending with work? Both. Uh, you know, I, honestly, um, in terms of the amount of time that I spend for work, um, I, I have a, a calculated minimum value, uh, you know, for, for that. And, um, and, and I don't, I don't take work that's outside of that. Um, I have a limit. I have, um, you know, I, when I start to see those kind of signs of burnout, uh, when I start to see that, you know, I'm not joyful every time I go into a new senior session or, or something like that, that's when I go, Ooh, okay, this is not really, um, mm. you know, honoring, honoring the worth, you know, that I have, like mm. there, there's a price tag to get me to walk away from my kids, you know? And I, I think that, um, valuing your time and your own personal self-worth in that way, it's honestly, it's hard. Um, and, uh, but, but it's, it's worth it. It's yeah, it's worth it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, and, <laughs> and that awareness then can lead more effectively, I think, to the intention to create, limitations, the structure that you're referring to. I think it's, I think it's important. Um, when it comes to time management though, I think one of the most important elements, at least I've found as a business owner over the years has been this concept of delegation. Outsourcing is another term that's used. And of course, a lot of times this is used in conjunction with editing, but the reality is we can delegate album design, administrative tasks, <laughs> cleaning of our house, you know, whatever it might be. Have you explored this idea of delegation as it relates to your business? Have you found any benefit in it? Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm a huge fan of outsourcing. In fact, I, I recently at WPPI on the Rangefinder stage gave a whole talk um, about about outsourcing and about the value of it, um, specifically for photographers. I could honestly, I could keep you here for the rest of the time talking about this. Um, and you're right. Step one for photographers is usually outsourcing your editing mm. because that's where we get so in our heads. Right. And it's like, Hmm, I wonder how we can outsource our editing. Um, I know, I know a guy. this great company, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> I know a guy. I know. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, and all serious though, it, seriousness though, I, I will reiterate the fact that 
knowing my worth, but also knowing my zone of genius helps me to delegate and outsource more effectively. So, you know, as I said, I, I really value my time. Um, and I have my hourly minimum rate calculated, so I won't work for less than that. Now, I know that the skill, my, my art, what I can create is also really valuable. And so I'm of the opinion that if you have a strong brand and a clear voice as, you know, as the visionary, as the lead of your company, then the only thing that you can't outsource is actually being the face of your business. And for everything else, I, I look around and I go, oh, there's probably someone out there who does this better than I do. Someone that this is their zone of genius and their opportunity mm. to shine in what they're doing. And you're right. Sometimes that is, um, you know, hiring a housekeeper so that you can work on your business. Sometimes it's hiring an accountant or um, one, of, uh, one of the other jobs that I do is I'm, I'm an integrator, which is basically like a COO. And I work for someone who is, um, who's very much so a, an artistic visionary and the operation stuff, some of those details are not operating in her zone of genius. And so I come along beside of her and we make a great team in that way. And so honestly, I'm, I'm just kind of of the opinion that as many things as you can delegate to as many areas you know, as possible, then send them, send them out, right? I am not the only person who can make a spreadsheet. I am not the only person who can write an email. And I'm certainly not the only person who can edit my photos. Mm. And in fact, there are people who edit thousands and thousands of photos every single day who are really stinking good at their jobs. And I would say you so. know, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, I know, you know, you're like, yeah, I, I work with all of them, you know, and, and they're right there. And that's, that's what they are really passionate about. That's what mm. they love to do. And that's what provides rich experiences and rich lifestyles for their families, you know? So I'm, I, I'm like, send it, send it, <laughs> send it out if I can. <laughs> well, I mean, you have, You've talked multiple times already about your understanding, your awareness of your value when, when it comes to time and how that, of course, translates to what you need to charge. And with that kind of understanding and awareness, I think it also is helpful in that you are aware of how to spend your time, what you can spend your time on and what you can delegate. I think a lot of times photographers, just business owners in general, small business owners in general, aren't necessarily aware of the value of their time that you're referencing. Mm. And that's what kind of limits initially anyway, their consideration even of the idea of delegating something. Um, I, I, a lot of times the conversation when it comes to outsourcing kind of or delegating ends with, do I like to do it or not? Not how yeah. does this translate to value for my business um, or really the ROI on time spent for the sake of the growth of my business, and then also for the sake of creating more freedom in my life so that I can spend time with my family and my friends and be able to do something besides sit in front of a computer. And it just kind of ends with, do I like to do it or, or not? I like to watch Netflix. It doesn't mean that it's a good choice for you know spending my, my time day to day. So I think it's kind of a broken piece of logic that continues to be brought up for some reason. It, we have to consider what our time is worth and then ultimately what our intentions are and I, I love that that's been a theme for you through our conversation already. I also find that, um, it, and this is specifically, I find more often a problem that um, that female business owners have, that that women in business have, is that they're asking for permission um, really mm. often. Like, mm. oh, can I 
can, can I do that? Can I actually hire a housekeeper so that I can go and work on my business? You know, can I hire a babysitter for a few hours mm. to give me, you know, a little bit of focused time to do what I, what I really love and what I'm passionate about? Um, I also find that expenditure is, um, is the other one is that, you know, people will get kind of bogged down in, um, in what the price tag of outsourcing a thing to someone else could be. And for that, I always say, I'm like, you know, okay, let, let's, let's assume you're running at capacity right now. You're, you're doing everything that you can do right now and today. If you're, you know, whatever that number looks like for you, whether that's 10 sessions a year or, you know, uh, 150 sessions a year, whatever that looks like um, within the year, I'm like, okay, if you're at capacity, then you have no ability to grow. And so freeing up some of your time, even if it's just, you know, again, with like with a housekeeper or with an editor or something like that, it, it essentially, you know, takes you out of this little tiny pot that you're planted in and and repots you into a bigger space that you're going to be able to grow and, and expand to all corners. Yeah. And so really you're, what you're talking about is future growth mm-hmm. when you talk about that. And that's also a hard concept, especially when, especially when you're first starting, mm. right? We can't see beyond what's right in front. And I say that from experience because I've been doing this for a long time as well. Yeah. You know, that, uh, you know, like in the beginning, we're just, we're just worried about, you know, getting the settings right. <laughs> <laughs> and can I fix that in post? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or just you know, trying or to get some, get a little bit of business in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, for yeah. Sure. I just want one customer. I'm not thinking about what's going to mm-hmm. happen when I have a hundred. You know. Yeah. So. Well, but I think a lot of times, I mean, I can speak from personal experience here too. I, I didn't come from a business background. I didn't. I didn't mm-hmm. go to college for business. So I, the the idea of building a business and what that meant and all the moving parts associated with that were foreign to me, and I had to learn that along the way. The idea of scalability and sustainability, those two terms aren't, they they don't come natural for somebody who's not studied business and what it means to build and scale a business and, and and think about the long term as you're, you're talking about as well. So yeah, when we look at something costing a hundred bucks or 50 bucks or a couple hundred bucks in in the case of a wedding, for example, to, to delegate that editing work to somebody else, that initial, there's that kind of initial twinge of, oh, that's, that's cash that I could keep in the bank. But what we're not thinking about is how we could effectively grow our business if we're willing to hand that thing over, what we can then go spend our time doing that will actually translate to making way more money than we will spend um, for the delegation of that editing in that case. So yeah, we, we do have to think, learn to think bigger picture. And, and I love that you bring yeah. that perspective to the conversation. I think that's important. And Lindsay actually chimed in from Facebook. She said, I love the idea of re- repotting yourself so you can grow. I'm totally going to quote you. <laughs> So good quotes coming from Mary today. Instagrammable quotes. Uh, let me keep going here. One more question before we get into the topic of, of simplifying this approach to senior photography. What's the most impactful business or self-help book that you've read in the last few years that you would want to recommend to our listeners? Okay. Um, this is, this is like, it's, it's time to let the, the dirty laundry. <laughs> okay. I'll <laughs> the front Fair porch. Enough. See, there's my Southern. I'm like, Aaron, your dirty laundry on the front porch. I don't read self-help books. I don't read, I don't read business books. Okay. Um, I honestly, I couldn't tell you if I'd ever read one. Um, I read fiction. Uh, reading for me is complete escapism. I think you yep. mentioned before, you're like, I like Netflix, but <laughs> you know, and, and so it's one of those areas where I'm like, okay, not everything that I do can, 
it doesn't can have... actually be profitable, you know, no, yeah, of course <laughs> or can not. actually have a good thing. But um, yeah. so, yeah, so I read a lot of, um, of fiction, a lot of fantasy, a lot of character driven stuff, which mm. actually, I guess, does kind of help me with the storytelling uh, aspects of video. Um, which is it's okay. Is you really don't have to justify fun. it, Mary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I honest, I, I think for me though, in terms of like, what's at the root of that, right. Is, is where do you go for help? Um, how do you, how do you ask for help when mm. again, I'm, I'm the same as you. I did not come from a business background at all. My parents were teachers and farmers. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, and, and by education, Still not. I'm the farthest away from my, I was, my degree is in biochemistry and genetics. Wow. Very, very, very far away mm-hmm. <laughs> from anything that I've ever done as a professional sure. um, in my life. And so, it, you know, for me, it's the question of where do I go to get help um, is, again, something that, you know, like we we're talking about scalability and stuff like that. It's not something that you really recognize or realize in the beginning. And for me, where I like to go for help, what what really um, in a way that I can absorb it, that I listen to tends to be more direct mentorship or direct mm. coaches. And I've, I've sought out, um, different ones of those and, and some okay. have just happened, you know, naturally. Um, I sat on a, uh, a board of directors for a nonprofit for many years and, um, you know, they ran a $2 million operating budget. I learned a lot about business. My role there was to be the voice for youth so that we were keeping, um, you know, kind of the heart of the mission of that nonprofit, you know, central to everything that we did. But of course, I'm sitting on this board of directors. So I, I'm learning all of these other things um, about business and stuff like that. And so some of those, you know, kind of one on one connections and, and direct learn from experience um, stuff, seeking out a good coach uh, or even group coaching, seeking out a good mentor. Um, that for me has kind of taken the place of, of reading, um, you know, some books. Johnny Cup has some really good books, and he's actually where you're in Nashville, right? I'm in Chattanooga, not too oh, okay. far away. Yeah. Okay. Um, there's an author there named John Acuff, and he mm, actually writes it. a lot of, um, of productivity things, a mm-hmm. lot of mindset work mm-hmm. um, now. And his most recent book was called Soundtracks. And what he's doing, which I think is really interesting, which is why this one's on my radar right now, um, is uh, he is rewriting the book with his teenage daughters, with his high school daughters, um, to be focused on teens. And mm. so since that, you know, since they're taking that, that uh, bend or, or, you know, perspective on things, then um, it came on my radar a little bit more. And I was like, huh, that seems interesting. So I'll probably check that one out. Well, I, I think there's, it's actually not discussed a whole lot, this idea of mentorship. You know, there's, because information mm-hmm. is so widely available now, whether it's on YouTube or through Audible books or Kindle or otherwise, um, it's really easy to learn how to take a picture and even the basics of running a business, but actually learning from somebody hands-on, more ideally, in person, like you're just, you're describing, um, would be really, really wonderful if, if there were more opportunities like that. And I think it would it's, it's good to remind photographers to look for those opportunities. It, it's kind of sad, honestly, even in our local photography community, I've noticed in the last two or three years, I mean, certainly COVID had an effect on this, but mm-hmm. there was this decline. So I guess maybe the last four or five years, there was this decline in willingness to even get together for coffees or lunch lunches in person. People are, I guess it's more convenient just to be at home and be on their laptop or their phone and, and not actually make the effort to get out and connect. And there's a lot of value in those conversations that we can have one-on-one or in groups with other photographers and other business owners. So that, that's a good reminder and good encouragement. And uh, Rachel Ann's chiming in from Facebook. She says, hi, Mary. 
Looks like you got a fan there. Hey, Rach. Thanks for joining us, Rachel. And um, well, let's let's jump into the kind of primary topic at hand today, which is about not just senior photography, which we've talked about on the podcast before, but I really am curious about and kind of fascinated by your take on senior photography. You you say that photographers can take a different, simpler approach to senior photography. How, what would how would you sum up that approach in one sentence, if you could? It's not about us; it's about them. Hmm. Okay. So, let's... <laughs> like, check check your check your hubris at the door, right? And and that honestly, that's the simplicity of the approach. We get too wrapped up in our own heads and our own busyness, trying to make our clients fit into an ideal mold, and the result is that we end up missing what an amazing human is right in front of our camera. Um, hmm. So, this person who's trusting us with their very image. Right. And, and image is huge, especially, you know, again, as we talked about earlier in, in the social media world that we live in. Um, and this approach aims to capture an authentic version, a genuine version of each senior. It's them being valued exactly as they are. They see that it comes through. Yeah. That's really interesting. When I think about senior photography and, um, We've talked about a little bit about this before. Not only do you see kind of the glamorization, the effort of glamorization, but even, and it's it's gross to even think about, like the sexualization too of, of mm. a lot of the, the, the female seniors anyway that that are being photographed. And I, I don't know why with, with our culture as sensitive as it is now to so many different topics, why it's not been brought to the forefront in conversation in our industry more. Uh, nonetheless, it, it, the the focus, like you said, is is much less about providing a wonderful experience for the senior, helping them feel comfortable in their skin, walking away with images of themselves as they are, that they're comfortable with, that they're happy with, and much more about creating these glamour photos, essentially, that they can show yeah. off to the, their fellow photographers almost. And yeah. it, is, it is kind of gross. What, what was the initial experience or set of experiences that kind of made you more cognizant of this and made you want to change the approach? Yeah, that's a great question. And and for me, it was actually knowing and working with youth. The kids who came over to my house, who ate at my table, the kids who jumped on my couch, I'm so bitter about it still to this day. And they knew who they are. <laughs> they were the kids who would talk, you know, who would share with me about um, their hopes and fears for the rest mm. of their life. And mm. so, you know, at first I, I too would get caught up in kind of the buzzwords of the industry and, you know, saying like high fashioned and editorial or looks like a model, you know, just like you'd see in New York. And I quickly realized that that type of work wasn't feeding my soul and it certainly wasn't doing these humans justice. So like, you know, I, I specifically think a lot about the word model because it's such a loaded word, you know, as, as you've kind of alluded to there. Um, we apply that word to a model airplane or a model building or a model Lego Millennium Falcon, right? We use it for a product that's yeah. an inanimate object. We don't use it for a person. Mm. And if we keep carrying out the connotation on that word, a model is also something that is, quote, perfect. It's a standard that the rest of us mere mortals can't obtain. It says that only those who look a certain way, who dress a certain way, or who act a certain way have X number of followers, right? These are the only people that are going to be welcomed into the fold. And as I said before, teenagers notice this subtle messaging, and it's one of the most intimidating things about them. They will root it out, um, you know, if you're being disingenuous or insincere. So model teams and senior photography strategies that are based on that end up in my mind being all about exclusivity 
about fitting into that model mold. And my approach, this simpler approach, is all about inclusivity. Mm. And so when I think about the seniors that I want to photograph, I'm thinking again about those other 99% who don't necessarily fit the stereotype. Because, like, what happens to them in a traditional mold? Uh, Do they just get left out? You know, do they walk away believing that they are less than because they're not the standard? Um, I believe that everybody deserves to be celebrated in in this transition from childhood to adult. Um, and, and I think about these kids who, you know, as I said before, have a D in math or who have ADHD or specifically now a days who identify themselves outside of the pink is for girls and blue is for boys kind of stereotypes. I think about those kids who have been in my home and and jumped on my couch and, and told me that maybe they weren't ready for this whole hashtag adulting thing, you know, <laughs> yeah. yet. That right? we tend to kind of force kids into, I think, prematurely, too. I, I've, I've thought yes. about that, um, especially with my, my daughter, too. I, just she, she, She's six foot tall. So it's easy just to kind of almost subconsciously forget that she's still a kid and, and yeah. quite young at heart, too. And she's looked and, and acted actually quite mature for her age in, in many ways for, for, for some time. And um, I, I was reminded in the last couple of years that I really needed to, as much as I, I wanted to teach my kids and especially my daughter to learn to think for herself and to make choices for herself, that it was also okay still to, to treat her as a kid and, and to create some structure and a, a, almost a harbor of safety of, of sorts um, yeah. for her to create this environment of warmth at home. And it's something that I've been more intentional about um, in the last couple of years or so, but uh, we're getting some responses from, from Facebook, Rachel Ann's clapping for, for Mary's uh, monologue there. And uh, <laughs> Mia from YouTube said, I cannot agree more, Nathan. And, and I think it's a really important conversation that we need, need to continue to have around senior photography and actually to kind of build on that, Mary, uh, just I'm quoting you here, but you said, stop associating senior photography with high concept, high fashion shoots, time consuming model teams and cutthroat competition tactics. And I'm curious, I mean, you've, you've kind of alluded to this a little bit already, but why has this become the industry standard and, and not just the standard? It's something that the industry has con- continued to build up even more. Why do you think that is? Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm, I've been thinking about this a little bit and I, Honestly, Nathan, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know, and, and I probably don't want to, um, to speculate or point fingers either at who came before me at the kind of at the why it was the way it was in the past. What I really want is for photographers to know that there is another option available if what they see out there right now as the norm doesn't sit right for them. Um, senior photography is a really small subset of portrait photographers but we are welcoming hundreds of thousands of new members into the club of adulthood every year, right? It's not like weddings or having a baby where there's some element of timing or choice. Youth are maturing into adults, no matter, you know, how much, no matter how much it breaks our mom hearts. Right. Um, so I think when, when I, when I look at why is this the norm, Um, I'm trying to be less focused on what created the symptoms that I see as problematic. And I'm trying to focus more on how I can affect the change moving forward. I want to see a full paradigm shift in senior photography. That's good. Well, again, I'm I'm really excited that we're having this conversation and and we're going to keep it up. Do me a favor, Mary. Will you just push your hair back just a little bit from that mic? That's perfect. We're good to go. No, no, not not a big deal at all. It's amazing. When when we listen, I think about the the listeners in the car because I listen to podcasts in the car a lot. 
and it's it's amazing. I guess as a podcast host and a producer, I think about the sounds that pop up over the loudspeaker and the stuff that that is way more audible than we realize after the fact. So thanks for accommodating my my uh, attention to detail. <laughs> it probably doesn't also help that I speak with my hands, and so I'm. <laughs> oh no no you're you're. Totally- I'm very animated for anybody. <laughs> not watchers who's listening to this now you can get a uh, a sense of 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 the visual that goes with all of the static oh no no, you're absolutely fine and you don't even have to hold your your mic up any higher than it was it was just rubbing against your hair so not not a huge deal at all so one of the things you talked about that there's benefit to to photographers and again just to quote you here because i want to understand a little bit about the thought process you said that it can change photographers businesses change your business supplement slower seasons and give you a deeper appreciation of and connection to your senior clients. I can understand that the latter part there. I'm really curious about this, the idea of supplementing slower seasons. What's the thought process, like changing the business model to, to this model that you're talking about for senior photography? How does that supplement slower seasons or off seasons? Yeah. So, you know, if, if you're a lifestyle family photographer who doesn't have, you know, the skills or you're afraid of interacting with and photographing teenagers, then this approach, you know, will, will change your business because you can, you can learn how to, um, confidently keep photographing those teenagers long after all the, you know, elementary aged early childhood pose prompts, you know, aren't working anymore. So for slow seasons, um, you know, and, and you would know, right. October is for photographers what April is for accountants. Q4 seems to be everyone's busy season, right? That's we just get slammed in um, October through December for most photographers. But senior season actually starts as soon as the previous class turns the tassel. Now, in some parts of the country, that's in May. And in some parts of the country, that's June. And so what you're talking about, um, you know, and again, some some climates, some parts of the country, they can run this completely year round, right? Instead of having a really concentrated busy season added adding seniors to your repertoire, right, can fill in a slow season and and it can turn it into a profitable one. That makes sense. Okay, so now we transition to how we interact with seniors. And and this is fascinating to me. I'm so curious what you're going to say about this, because I think about this as it relates to my kids, certainly, and then my girlfriend's kids uh, as well. When it comes to interacting with, with teenagers, certainly seniors, you're saying that that photographers can relate uh, you feel as though photographers can relate to seniors without having to kind of try to fake being cool um, (laughs) with these kids and I'm curious I'm just curious how like what what is your approach to to this I guess engaging with kids in a way that you don't you don't feel like you have to talk just like them in order to be able to connect well with them yeah, well, look, no matter what, the words yeet or stan are never going to come, like, sound cool coming out of my mouth, right? Yeah. I am a 38-year-old mother of teenagers. That's just yeah. never going to happen. <laughs> we're just we're just never going to fit in with, you know, fit in with teenagers on that peer level. But that's sure. okay because you don't have to. Hmm. And so, um, it, you know, when I think about this conversation and interacting uh, without having to fake being cool, I kind of break it into three three do's and three don'ts. And so, you know, I'll, I'll kind of cover the don'ts first. Um, and again, there, there's not hard and fast rules. These are, these are conversations, these are interactions, but there are some guidelines that I think will really, um, you know, kind of stand up in terms of, um, of communicating to another person that you respect them. Right. And so the first thing, the first don't that I would say to do is to not, uh, don't add pressure about their often unknown future. 
So asking leading questions like, um, where are you going to college next year? What are you going to do for the rest of your life? How many kids do you want? Okay, well, like maybe not how many kids do you want? That would be a little extreme. (laughs) But (laughs) what, you know, but what I want you to remember is that these questions are coming at them every day. Mm. And so people start asking these kids in the ninth grade what they're going to do with the rest of their life. And their brains aren't even fully developed yet. And so, you know, God forbid that their answer, their honest answer is, I don't know. I have no idea. Now, what you've communicated to them is that, you know, they're thinking that they are like behind Mm. in some imaginary race of life. And the finish line is forever being moved farther and farther away. So I say to avoid even just on a simple level, add too much pressure. Yeah, well, just I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm sorry. On a simple level, if they just in that individual interaction, if you ask them a question, they don't know you very well. You're just trying to connect and you ask them a question like that and they don't have an answer for you. They immediately feel awkward in that situation. Most or at least a lot of teens would. Um, So even just, I guess, that that little bit of consideration for creating conversation that they'll be able to say yes to, to relate to versus being at a loss and already feeling awkward interacting with this adult who also has a camera that they're going to point at them, I think is probably a good point of consideration as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, it is. You're exactly nail on the head. Okay. So don't add pressure. And I'm, I'm looking down here at my notebook because I'm old school taking notes here. Don't add pressure <laughs> about the future. And that, that totally makes sense. What's another don't? Uh, don't make assumptions about them. And, uh, you know, that's that old adage, you know what happens when you assume things. Um, So what I mean by that is saying stuff like, you know, oh, do you have a boyfriend or have you gotten your dress for prom yet? Or do you have a date for homecoming? Mm. Um, And and the the little story example that I give about this is that um, last year I photographed a guy who was uh, five foot six. Right. And so I'm all of like five foot five. So he's a full foot taller than me. That was kind of, kind of tricky <laughs> to photograph, but oh, um, so he was six at, foot five. You, you mean? You oh yeah. I'm sorry. Did six. I say five foot six? Yeah. He's six foot five. Okay. Oh, I, I, I reversed that. <laughs> sorry. So sorry. Sorry. Yeah. No yeah. Worries. I'm five. I'm five, five. He was six, five. So he's a full foot taller than me. And so what I asked him at one point was, what is your favorite thing about being tall? Hmm. And his immediate response, he didn't even have to think about it. And he was like, well, I love that you even just asked the question. And he said, because everybody else just asked me if I play basketball. Yeah. Right. And it was it was a total eye roll moment for him because, you know, he's like, "Okay, is this all that people will ever see for me? Is this all I can ever be in my life is that I'm tall? Therefore, I must be a basketball player. Is, Is that is that all that I've got? Yeah. Right. And when in reality for this human, that couldn't be farther from the truth of who he was as a person. And so that's why I say don't make assumptions about what you see you know, in the package that's, that's in front of you. Um, take hmm. the time to actually have a conversation and to ask. Be curious. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Okay. What's yeah. the next one? Last one for the don'ts is, uh, don't cross the line. And, and this I think is, um, is actually probably pretty important. There's a, so there's a time and a place for really open and honest conversations. But hmm. the thing that we have to remember is that these humans are still minors and we're business owners. And so this influences my um, like my language at a photo shoot. It also really influences what I share on social media. Um, and, and where I'll, I'll go with that is, you know, the, my example is that I don't uh, post like 
pictures of cute craft cocktails on on my business page and I don't make jokes about mm. oh look it's time for wine o'clock you know <laughs> right. or or things like that I don't I right. don't swear on social mm. um and I don't sh- overshare um I don't share very much ever about my private life um so I call it you know like I share the person without sharing you know the private and and all the things that are behind the scenes so I um I also don't communicate uh, or meet with any client if there's what we call an assumption of privacy. Um, that's like a best practice uh, thing that I brought over with me from my days as a youth worker and a mandatory reporter. It's just really good practice to keep everything above board. Sure. Um, and so we have photo shoots in public parks where there are mm-hmm. other people around, or mm-hmm. I have consultations and meetings at coffee houses or via recorded Zoom calls. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it basically, the don't cross the line is really just about setting professional standards for your interactions with minors. This shows them respect, um, which is key, and it also keeps everything light and fun. Okay, that's good. So we've got the list of don'ts. Talk to me about the do's. What what can we do to communicate a little yeah. bit more effectively? First things first, ask their pronouns. Um, so I do want you to ask your pronouns. It's very common practice nowadays, and asking shows that you care. Um, many companies will even include it, include it in like in the employee bios. Um, you know, you can put it on it on your Instagram or your Facebook or anything like that. And I would even suggest that you include it in your intake form. Um, it's a really simple thing to answer and it just shows a little consideration for your fellow humans. So that's my first easy, easy do. Okay. Um, my second easy do is do ask about their interest. Um, and again, you know, we talked about really listening before. Um, so really listen to their answers. Um, I would say like, what's your favorite thing to do in your downtime? Or do you have pets? I ask about favorites a lot. Um, least favorites are always really interesting answers too. You kind of get surprised <laughs> and people get a little more animated about something that they dislike rather, you know, than something that they like yeah. all the time. So that's always fun. And if you know nothing about what they're interested in, then I always say to ask them to teach you because this gives your senior like a very rare opportunity um, to become the expert in a world that tells them like, oh, you're too young to know anything, right? So, you know, for example, with that one this year, I had a guy who is mountain biking at a semi-professional level. I had no idea what that means, none whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's and he had his mountain bike with him and he was like, oh, well, I can tell you everything, you know, and he can tell me about which conferences he's going to. And and honestly, like the connection that you get yep. once they start telling you about something that they love and enjoy mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. so, so much deeper, mm-hmm. right? I, I, I've talked about this in the podcast before, but I still think back, and this, this was as an adult, and, and I actually, the, the primary experience was as an adult, but even when I was younger as well, I had a similar experience with another person where the, the, the person on the other side of me showed... First of all, just a genuine interest that there, it, you know, you, like you were talking about a teenager, anybody can really kind of tell if, if somebody's putting on a show for them, they're kind of um, going through yeah. the motions robotically, if you will. But they can also tell as a result and start contrast somebody who actually cares, who actually really wants to know what this person is talking about or what they're interested in. Like you're talking about this kid with mountain biking. And the feeling that I got as both as an adult and as a kid there and literally there have been like two or three people in my life that have made me feel this way. So it, it doesn't happen very often where somebody really just makes you feel like they're they're fully present, totally interested and actually care to know even more like that. They, they ask a question, you, you answer the question, they ask an, another follow up question that actually shows that they're paying attention and listening. And it's amazing how we can make people feel especially teenagers, by doing just that. So I think that's a really great reminder. Yeah. 
which also ties in with what we talked about earlier about client experience. You know, if they have a good experience, yeah. then then you're creating legacy clients for your business. Yeah. Right? Just make them feel good. Yeah. And think about yeah. what that actually means. How do you do that? Yeah. Yeah. My last one um, actually kind of ties in with what you're just talking about. And, and it, the last thing that I say when you're talking to having conversations and interactions with teenagers is to repeat their answers back to them mm-hmm. and to ask follow up questions. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're like a lot of people, your brain is really maxed out. Um, most days. And so repeating their answers back to them is going to do kind of, it serves two purposes, it's going to do two things. Um, first, it's going to show them that you were listening to them in the first place, right? Which as we pointed out before, that's key. Um, but it also is a memory hack. And so it's going to help their answers stick in your brain, right? Repeating things back always helps, helps you, you know, remember them. Yeah. And so then when you go to write that, you know, that senior feature or that blog post or something like that, you know, you'll, You'll, you'll leave the session going, okay, I actually know a few things about this kid, you know, that you can, that you can share and stuff like that. And then they get really flattered. You know, I, I just had a mom send me an email this week that was like, I read what you wrote about my son on Instagram and it just brought me to tears that somebody, you know, like actually understood my yeah. kid and, mm-hmm. you know, and things like that. So mm-hmm. that's huge. Okay. I, I love the, both the simplicity and the practicality of, of those recommendations, both the do- don'ts and the do's. Um, just consider, and it really, I guess it kind of centers around just taking time to consider the person on the other side of the camera. It's probably easy to, as quote unquote adults for us to maybe minimize the significance of that interaction. Oh, these are just kids. We're just taking pictures of kids. The reality is they're, they're on the verge of adulthood. They're certainly growing up and, and can think for themselves and are quite intelligent if you just give them the opportunity but if we lead with curiosity and actually make an effort to connect with them, to get to know them a little bit and to show genuine interest, it goes so far. And, and I think, again, it's just a really wonderful reminder. Talk to me a little bit about the posing. So we, we talk about conversation that really kind of leads the way in this relationship with the senior, but posing as well, uh, I mean, cheesy kind of complicated posing will likely annoy them, right? Get on their nerves. You see them rolling their eyes. They're kind of smirking. Um, and make yeah. the session awkward. So what would you recommend, um, I guess, just for some simpler ideas when it comes to posing seniors? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so, you know, for simple, simpler poses, um, I always say that sticking to the range of natural movement um, is going to be more flattering and and actually physically more comfortable for my subjects. Um, and that's crucial because when your body is physically uncomfortable, then what happens it it just reads all over your face, right? So an example of what I would call a natural movement would be walking um, or breathing. Um, sometimes they, breathing you is know, a good it, thing. It, yeah, well, it's something that they don't have to think <laughs> consciously, yeah. right, about doing. And so yeah. some, like with breathing, sometimes I will just look at a senior and I'll say, okay, I just want you to take a deep breath and look up at the clouds in the sky, hmm. right? And you just see the weight just fall off of them because it's like, okay, I'm not trying to run my belly and pat my head right now, right? <laughs> right. I'm not I'm not doing this like super, you know, complicated pose. Yep. And, and like unnatural movement for me would be um, like a laying down pose or a squatting position. Like like laying down poses, you know, you kind of alluded to before about this, uh, you know, over-sexualization that we have specifically of young women. Yeah. And I feel like laying down poses really does that a lot mm-hmm. because you have to get the photographer over them mm-hmm. and in their space, in their mm-hmm. personal bubble, right? That's always awkward. And it's also portraying them from a very submissive angle. 
um, and or like squatting poses. I think those are really unnatural as well. Or, you know, like very complicated pretzel poses where one leg is here, you're balanced on this heel, you've got an arm over your head, you know, things like that. And I always say that squatting poses like squatting by humans only exist in nature in two contexts that I'm aware of. And mm. one of them is a catcher at a baseball game. And the other one doesn't really scream Kodak moment, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I, well, yeah, to that to point, me. actually, the number of poses that I've seen with with girls with their legs spread wide open and their hand just kind of like placed between their legs to, I guess, to kind of sort of cover things. And it's, I just don't understand why we're even going close to that when we're, yeah. as we're photographed in the context of photographing a, you know, 16, 17, 18 year old, it, it's just mind boggling to me that all the other conversations that we're having in our culture, that this has not been brought front and center. And I mean, I, I've been super tempted because I came across a photographer a little while back. And of course, I'm not going to name names right now, but I've been super tempted to go to the extent of actually at least talking to that photographer and then potentially outing them and, and kind of leading the industry in a conversation about this, because it's very confusing to me why. And it, it's always interesting, I guess, in culture, how we selectively talk about certain things, but not about other things. Um, this one just continues to confuse me. And even as we're talking about it, it's it. it, it pisses me off like why are we why are we allowed to do this and people are just kind of check you know writing it writing off as being okay or even good highlighting it at award shows and so forth it's it just I don't understand it sorry yeah. ranting <laughs> no no I'm I, I'm I'm with you I'm with you on that a hundred percent I don't I don't necessarily understand it and and I don't um I don't know what the remedy of it is. I, I respect, uh, you know, especially women's bodily autonomy um, so much. And I think, you know, as, as a grown woman for myself, right, being, being portrayed in, um, in more intimate um, fashions can be, can be really empowering. I know, you know, I have, I have lots of friends who are boudoir photographers and their work is amazing and incredible and the things that they do and, and what they lend to the women who they're photographing to their self-esteem those are important, uh, important photographs to take, I think. I think the difference is, especially when it comes to senior photography, is that when we're talking about this over-sexualization, we're, we're talking about doing this with minors. You know, that's a big, right? That's like a, that's, that's just context. That's a, that's a big difference and, and it's context. And so, you know, it, it, this is not one of those things where if it's, you know, well, if it's okay for the 35-year-old to do that, then it's okay for the 17-year-old to do that. No, no, it's not. The context really matters. It, yeah, it, it does. I, I, I could spend a lot of time there. Let, we'll, we'll leave that for the time <laughs> being. Um, let's, let's talk a little bit about specific examples of simple poses. Um, and actually, even before yeah. I get to that, maybe just to kind of, um, maybe it's reiterating my question from earlier, but I'm just, I'm thinking about how you got to this place. You know, when, when I make, for example, if I decide to do something different in my photography business or with my editing company, or we're getting ready to launch, launch another brand now, which is doing something vastly different from the industry. I, I see where I, I see things that I don't like, or I'm not a huge fan of, or I see there's an opportunity to do it better. And so I, I run with it. What, what led you to this place where you were like, you know what? Okay. I realized that these kids are feeling awkward. So I need to come up with these simpler poses. Did you find inspiration from another photographer, other photographers? Was it something you just kind of came up with on your own? 
I always feel like we pull a little piece of, of some of our past lives into, you know, into whatever the next mm. iteration of it, of it are going to be. Um, and so previously, and in, in my previous life, I was, a, I was a dancer. I was a dancer for 25 years. I was an instructor for dance for a decade. And what I learned from that is movement. Um, I spent my, literally my entire life studying movement. Mm. Um, and then, and so that I carried a lot of that over with me into posing into and into my approach to posing. Um, the other thing that has really had um, more of an impact than I ever realized it would have, but I, I always say, I'm like, oh, no, I really think this has been for the good, is as, I've, as I have aged, um, my, my body, my casing, my shell is, is somewhat larger than it used to be. And so understanding more about how, um, about how different bodies move, as opposed to when it was dance, you know, everybody, again, is fitting into a very narrow mold. Mm-hmm. I can give you the most complex choreography, you know, it, like, I, I can break out really complicated things. But, you know, the reality of that is, is that most people cannot handle that. And so for me, I kind of found that if it takes more than three instructions, it's too much. And, Uh, you know, it's falling outside of of the natural range. Some people are more gifted in terms of movement than other people are. And the way that I kind of determine how much I'm going to push that at a shoot, um, how much I'm going to push their natural range of motion is by really observing literally from the minute that they get out of the car, right? Some, some kids are kind of falling out of the car and they have all their stuff kind of crammed in a bag. That's not really on their shoulder as they're, you know, like kind of stumbling up. I'm going, okay, that's probably not, you know, going to be the person that I'm going to give my harder poses too. So just being a very aware and very observant of what kind of movement that you're, um, that you're witnessing is, is key and, and being fast to move on too. like, if something doesn't work, don't stick in it. Don't try yeah. to force it to work. Right. You know, like, and I honestly, when that happens for me, I always take the blame. I blame, I blame it on myself. I'm like, you know what? I just put you in this pose and and I didn't even look at the light behind you. Like, you know, I, I will take, I will take blame. I will make myself look dumb all day because I never, never, ever want to communicate to a subject that they've done something wrong yeah. because that shuts them down. Yep. So, and, and again, teenagers just feeling uncomfortable and awkward. It's just going to, it's going to make the session more difficult. So I, I like the premise of a pose that doesn't take, that doesn't require any more than three steps or three instructions, yep. three points prompts. of instruction, prompts. Uh, will mm-hmm. you give a few examples of, of these types of poses? Yeah. Yeah. So um, one that I that I really love that I do all the time, um, I, br- I break all my poses into three categories. So it's either standing, seated. Um, the seated will, will also kind of perched, um, you know, perched on something, a fence post or a rock or something like that um, against the side of a building. They go together and then um, and then walking and or movement poses. So standing, seated, um, walking poses for standing poses. Um, people tend to be a little bit more uncomfortable with those. And so I do one and I call it the self hug. And as soon as I said that, um, I, you know, you probably went, Oh, okay. I know exactly how to do that. Right. If I say, give yourself a hug, you know, exactly how you're like, Oh, okay. I know exactly how to do that. Um, and so I was trying to think of poses that were a little bit more, um, you know, conducive to if someone's just listening on the audio, but the way that I do that is that I'll turn their feet at, you know, kind of a 30 to 45 degree angle from me standing or, you know, and I'll adjust my position a little bit and then I'll just look at them and I'll just say, okay, all I want you to do is give yourself a hug. And they'll look at me and they go, you mean like this? 
And then it's boom, I, I've got the smile. Yeah. And then I'll lean into them with my camera. And as I'm leaning into them and I'm just talking with them yeah. and then I'll say like dumb stuff. Right. And so they're posed. They're already there. It's yeah. adorable. Yeah. Right. You get that little giggle <laughs> and the shoulder raise and, and it's really cute. And then I'll say like, look at that rock and laugh at that rock. Or if their mom's standing right there, which, you know, most of the time moms are like always right there. And I'll be like, okay, I want you to look over at your mom. I don't want you to laugh at her face <laughs> and I'll just die. Right. And so it's, it, it, that one is honestly a two, two prompt pose mm-hmm. feet here, give yourself a hug. Right. And then everything else that kind of comes out of it, the interaction that comes out of it is just me engaging with her. I, and I love the simplicity of that too. And anything to get them to laugh. I, th- I think that's the best. It, it was, okay. So that's standing. What, what about something where they're seated? What, what does that look yeah. like? Yeah, a seated one. Um, I usually, uh, sorry, I usually use this a lot, um, especially for my taller seniors. And so I will just look at them and I'll say, okay, you know what? You're too tall for me. Uh, go sit on that rock. Right. And then they'll kind of laugh and they go over and they'll just sit on the rock. Guys sit really naturally, um, you know, and whatever. And so I'm always very complimentary about that. And so I'll, I'll pose them on a rock and I'll just be like, oh my gosh, look at that. That would have taken me forever to get somebody else to do. You are a natural. You just did exactly what I wanted. And then I'll like look over at their mama. I'll talk them up a lot. And the whole time that I'm doing all these other things, they are settling into themselves in that seated position. So again, it's just one prompt. Go sit on that rock, right? And then and then as I'm talking, you know, as I'm encouraging them in the background, they are settling into themselves a little bit. And then I'll say, okay, now I want you to just bring your chin over here towards me. Uh, you know, they're still kind of have a little, a little half smile because they're like, hey, I did something right, you know, yeah. and then I get, I get that look. Occasionally I'll say, all right, now um, uh, with seated poses, right, sometimes people hunch and they pull their sh- shoulders up. And so I'll just say, okay, I want you to take your shoulders and roll them back. All right, now you look really, you know, you look really, um, really comfortable, you know, or whatever that is. So that's a, that's a seated pose. And, um, and then let's see, uh, walking movement poses. I have, I have a, a pose for walking that I always tell them, I'm like, this is the most complicated thing that we're going to do today. And, um, and I was like, and it's walking. And then they always get a, you know, big laugh out of that. And so when they walk, I I teach them how to, you know, I'm like, okay, what we're going to do today is the model walk. I know you've been walking your whole life. And I was like, but this is for photos. And so I tell them first prompt one is I want you to slowly walk towards me. Like you're walking on a balance beam pretty universal. Everybody understands that. Um, and it tends to be fairly easy for people to do, even though we normally walk in parallel instead of, um, uh, on a balance beam. And the next thing that I'll say is I'm like, okay, now while you're walking, I just want you to give me an eye drive by and they'll be like, what? And, <laughs> and I'll say, so, you know, start on the left side and whatever's around us. Let's say start on the left side and look over there and then, and then look here and then look here and then look here. And so as they're walking towards me, I just, I just tell them, I'm like, give, give me a little eye drive by. And so we've got interest. So we've got, you know, like they'll take a step and they'll look down and they'll kind of like, uh, impulsively, you know, if they have long hair, they'll tuck their hair out of their way. If they look down and then, and then they move like that. And so it's all very, very natural, very in their range of everyday movement. They understand what it means to drive by something. They understand <laughs> yeah. what it means to walk. So, <laughs> yep. well, and, and by the way, for everybody listening in, and I, I popped up, um, Mary's Instagram on screen multiple times through the conversation today. If you go to Mary Vance photography, just like it sounds on Instagram, of course, we'll link to it in the show notes at bocapodcast.com, but you can scroll through and just see, and I'm doing this right now for those of you that are live streaming with us. Um, you can see just a very simple 
natural poses that Mary is describing uh, depicted there on Instagram and get a good feel for the style, the approach that Mary is, is describing. And it's, it's really lovely. I, oh, that's that one right there in the middle, um, that black and white. Yeah. That's a, that's a self hug. I love it. And, and you can tell she's and totally, see, she's like, oh my goodness, this is so funny. Yeah. I loved her. Oh my gosh. I love Kaylin. Oh yeah. She's just, Sorry, I know all of these kids. I know all of these kids names by heart. I'm a little upset. I write down every senior that I have for the year mm. and I keep it, um, on a little list that stays with me all the time, just so that I can be, just so I can be thinking about them with intention and with purpose yeah. and, and things like that. That's lovely. That's really lovely. Okay. So, um, I, I think you'd mentioned to me before we get started that you've got a resource, um, talking about yeah. poses to avoid for photographers who are interested what how can they find that resource yeah so there's definitely a link in my instagram bio um for that and it'll it's three poses to avoid um for a senior photographer and i don't just tell you which three poses it's free by the way um it's just a pdf you can download it um i don't tell only tell you about those three poses to avoid i also tell you how to fix them um so we've alluded to a little bit of it today but I, i give you better ideas and there's a lot of um of images, obviously, to go with each of the sets of instructions, which I think will be helpful, especially since we're talking about podcasting or about um, posing in an audio format. Great, that's 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 really nice. So we'll we'll link to that in the show notes as well. But for those of you listening in, if you just go to and I'll put this up on screen as well for those of you that are live streaming Mary Vance Photography on Instagram, you can you'll find the link in the bio to that downloadable. And just to kind of round up our conversation or round out our conversation, Mary. A few actionable steps that photographers can take, um, in summary almost, to simplify their approach to senior photography, what would those recommendations be? Yeah, so I, I like to break that down into um, kind of practical and mindset. Um, you know, some people are going to more easily resonate with the thing that they can actually see their body doing as opposed to, you know, how we're changing, how we think about things and, and, and mindset as well. So I'll start with practical. I have three practical suggestions and, and then I'll move into kind of the mindset suggestions as well. Um, so my practical suggestions, the first one is to learn the light and that is just forward and backwards, learn your light and then learn your gear, right? Um, these two things are going to be a game changer for you. I'm specifically learning lighting because once you see it, you're going to notice it everywhere and you can't stop seeing it. Right. Um, if you're looking for like really great resources on lighting, check out Sandra Cohn, um, mm. because that lady literally wrote the book on lighting. She is amazing. How do you spell um, the last is, name? Uh, Cohn, C-O-A-N, Sandra okay. Cohn. Yeah. Um, she, uh, yeah, she's great, fantastic educator about lighting. The reason that I want you to really learn the lighting and to focus on the lighting is because it's going to free up your brain when you're at a session. So if you're fumbling with gear and settings, if you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know how to make this light work or I position this person somewhere badly, right? That's all your brain is focusing on. It's not focusing on the connection to this human right in front of you. And so learning the light and learning your gear is going to take one more thing and put it on autopilot. So you're free to actually see that person in front of you and not the camera settings. It's, it's so true. I mean, I shot weddings and, and some portrait sessions as well, yeah. but for over a decade and I haven't shot actively now in about 10 years. And, and I, I still can literally feel the camera in my hand. If I just close my eyes and think about it and where those dials were, because it just became so familiar and you're right when you yeah. don't have to think or, or stop and look or do 
it just makes it so much easier because you can focus on interaction with a client. And, and so, yeah, I can't stress this enough for anybody, especially those who listening in or watching who are newer photographers, this is so important and best just to carry that camera around all the time and play with the settings all the time so that you can just do stuff on the fly without even having the second guess. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, next one, my next one is outsourcing. We've already talked about this a lot. Um, and it doesn't matter what type of photographer you are, you know, again, if you're shooting weddings or, um, you know, or seniors or anything in between, um, streamlining your workflows and your processes by outsourcing is going to allow rooms for all aspects of your business to grow. So that's a practical take home that I want everybody to hear outsource where you can. Um, it's important. The last thing I would say, um, that is, that's really senior specific is simplifying your intake form. So other than the logistics, um, you know, that I need to know for like uh, bookkeeping or contract or things like that, I only ask one personal question. Well, two, I ask their pronouns and then the, you know, the kind of free form uh, question that I say is just tell me about your senior. And this open-ended prompt always yields like the best answers because parents and seniors, you know, they'll just pour their heart out mm. to you yeah. because you gave them the space to, mm. right? And so that's my, that is like key to simplifying, you know, your approach to senior photography. This is going to give you insights right from, you know, from a piece of paper before you ever meet them um, and long before they ever step foot in front of your camera. So simplifying your intake form um, to just say, hey, tell me about your senior. I want to know right? That's communicating so much. It's, it's, it's a, it's a simple question, but it's a loaded question. You know, are you including in that any conversation about the types of places that they want to be photographed or the, the, the look and feel of the images or anything like that? Or is that just something that you kind of lead with? Those are check boxes. Okay. For me. Yep. So location specifically, I give them, um, I give them options of types. So I'll say uh, city field, uh, mountain or waterfront. Um, which are the basically the ones that we have that are readily available to us. Um, cool. Sometimes I'll get, uh, there's also a spot in the bottom for them to leave notes if they have a few notes. And occasionally I'll get somebody who says, hey, can I have it done like at the football field? Or, can, you know, can I have it done in my grandma's backyard? She's got a really gorgeous property. And I'm like, maybe, right? So, you know, I keep I keep the location stuff down to to my tried and true um, the, the places that I know, like the back of my hand. And that again, okay. is just one more thing that I'm allowed to put on autopilot yep. when I go, because I know this location and I'm not worried about running around and what time the sun's going to set and, and things like that. Also being in the mountains, we, um, sunset times get adjusted as well. And so the sun will drop behind, you know, a mountain and I'll literally lose the light two hours before, uh, yeah. actual sunset. And so if I'm not familiar with the location, then I don't, you know, I wouldn't know those things. Okay, so those are really great, simple, practical suggestions for simplifying this process. And then you talked about mindset as well. How can photographers kind of simplify their mindset when it comes to approaching senior photography? Yeah, I know. Um, so this is these I I think are more important, honestly. Um, and I think that's the thing that we learn as we grow in business and as we grow as photographers too is that. Um, you know, the kind of the longer we've been in this, the more we realize that what gear you have is not nearly as important as, you know, as like your scalability and, and how much you're valuing your time and things like that. So mindset is important. Mm -hmm. Um, my first practical suggestion would be to let go of all the shoulds. Um, I don't want you to think that you should have a fancy client closet or that you should follow a certain trend or that you should edit a certain way. 
Um, instead, I want you to start paying attention to the seniors and which sessions specifically leave you more energized than exhausted. And then those are the types of sessions that you pursue, not the ones that somebody tells you you should be taking. Mm. Um, my, and I'm, I know we're kind of running along here, so I'm going to try to speed through this a little bit. Um, my next mindset one would be, my suggestion would be to stop focusing on your competition. Um, I like to say that I don't have competition. I have industry peers. And so I want you to remember that while our clients are in high school, we're not. And so we need to squash that impulse to, you know, basically <laughs> like it. look at somebody else's paper and say, hey, what did you get right after the tests were graded? It's, <laughs> this is 2022, not 1994, right? We are encouraging others now. We are staying in our, in our own lane. And the only person that you need to worry about competing with is the person that you were yesterday. The only business you need to focus on is yours right now. And you need to run it from a place of integrity instead of from a place of jealousy. So that's my next mindset hack is to stop focusing on your competition. My final one is if you don't know, ask. And I think this is important. And I'm, I'm giving anybody listening who's like, I don't know these things. I'm giving you permission right now is to seek out a, a mentor or a coach, invest in your education, listen to podcasts, listen to the Boca podcast. They have so many great things coming on every single week right? Take the time to learn what you don't know. There is absolutely no shame in being new at something. And if you start comparing like your beginning to somebody else's middle, then that's just not fair, right? So if you don't know, ask. And if you have questions about senior photography, you are welcome to reach out to me. I'm an open book when it comes to all this stuff. And I love, love, love to share what I've learned and gleaned many times the hard way <laughs> over the past decade behind the camera. This is such as life, right? Well, yeah, and I appreciate that, yeah. Mary. And I'm going to actually pop up your website here on the screen. So for anybody who's live streaming, you can see this. It's maryvance.com and then Mary Vance Photography on Instagram. Of course, we'll link to these both in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. I really do appreciate you making time to, to do the show today and taking extra time to do it too and sharing a lot of practical information. I think you're, you're absolutely right. If we lead with principles, ideas that, de- that of course develop mindset, that's a healthy place to start. And then we can take these practical tips and go apply them in our business. And you've shared both today. So I really, truly appreciate that. Oh, thank you. Well, and for anybody listening in, make sure that you do go to the show notes at bocapodcast.com. You can find all the notes, talking points, links, and so forth associated with today's episode there at bocapodcast.com. And if you go to Mary Vance Photography on Instagram, you see that on the screen for anybody who's live streaming, you can um, get that free downloadable as it relates to posing, posing more effectively with seniors there on Instagram at Mary Vance Photography as well. Thanks again, Mary. I really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend.